0: Okay, guess what? Today we are celebrating our 50th episode and it has been one year since I launched the podcast, Diagnosis Infertility, and I cannot believe it's been a year. I think back to sitting in this office and trying to figure everything out, and honestly today I'm using a new platform because I was still fighting um, my old processing and mixing software. And it just wasn't working anymore, so it was a renewal time because it's our one-year anniversary, and I just didn't renew. So now I'm figuring out a new a new software. So so far so good, it's fine. Okay, but here's what I'm super excited about: I have my very first stinking client that is on the podcast today. She is sharing a little bit about herself, and really, this is this is for her. This is for me. This is for. I mean, the company for Chelsea, who you'll meet later. But I cannot believe that I am here. And yes, there has been ups. And yes, there has been downs. And do I feel like I'm doing nothing half the time? The answer is yes. But then some of you reach out to me. One of you reaches out to me and tell me how I have impacted you or the podcast has impacted you. And it gets me going again. It just like really... Helps me put one foot in front of the other and keep showing up because I know, I just know that this is all going to be worth it. So here's to you, and I cannot wait for you to celebrate with us. Because the trauma of infertility doesn't just go away. Hi, welcome to Diagnosis Infertility. I'm Andrea. I'm a health and life coach, an infertility warrior, and I want to normalize the trauma associated with infertility, but also make you laugh out loud at least once. If you're trying to wrap your head around fertility, maybe you have experienced infertility in the past, maybe you're worried about it in the future, or you're currently in the freaking trenches going through it right now, or maybe someone close to you is, then this podcast is for you. Here we are all about being rock, telling it how it is, and giving you real action items to support your mental, emotional, and physical health. Because
1: girlfriend, it's about all three. Okay, let's get started. Um, my name is Chelsea. I recently got married almost two years ago in September. And we moved down to Wapaton in 2018, kind of away from family, but not too far.
0: So Chelsea and I met through a mutual friend. I was just starting my business, and our friend passed my information along to Chelsea. And Chelsea, was it you who reached out first, or did I reach out first? I can't remember.
1: I wanna, I wanna say you messaged me first because yes. she asked if she could give me like my information to you. And I said, go for it. And you kind of like introduced yourself and said like, reach out if you wanna talk more. And I think that's when I set up the um, introduction call that you do.
0: Yeah, and do you feel like, cause I was actually wrestling with this this morning cause I'm going and talking to a physician's office today to share a little bit more about what I do. And on my my sign-up form, I couldn't decide if I should put, like, the appointment, like, or if I should just have someone give me their contact information and me reach out first. So was it less scary that I reached out to you first? Or would you have just, like, signed up for that free call right away?
1: I feel like with me and my personality, with, like, my somewhat social anxiety that I get with new people... It was easier for you to like reach out to me first and like let me take my time to like reach back out to you and set everything up.
0: Yeah. And that's me too, is I was like, I don't think ever in my wildest dreams would I be like, hey, I'm just gonna sign up for this call. You know, I feel <laughs> like I want to develop a relationship with somebody first via texting or messaging. I think we messaged on Instagram quite a bit, um, those tapes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So when I uh got connected with Chelsea, so Chelsea, you were experiencing it was over a year that you were trying to get pregnant and
1: yeah, so I I don't know from back in 2014 I wasn't on any birth control. I I just let my cycle take its course. So like after we got married, we started trying and it was like month after month, seeing nothing, and then seeing other friends get pregnant, and it came so easy for them. So probably this past January, the end of January 23, is finally when I let myself go into the doctor and start where I needed to with all the labs and everything else.
0: Yeah. And we had, I think, finished up our coaching by the time you had gone in and done that, correct?
1: Yeah. I want to say it was like mid-December that we like had our last coaching call.
0: Yeah. So would you be willing to share a little bit more of how coaching or what got you to the point? Because you said I finally was able to go in to the doctor and start all that baseline stuff. Like, tell me a little bit about that process from where you were at mentally, physically, emotionally when we met to where you were at when you went into the doctor for the first time.
1: I feel like I was just more confident in knowing what I needed to ask and also finding the right physician Mm -hmm. because my past physician didn't really listen to me when I would talk to her it was like oh let's do one blood draw lab and oh you're fine and I just kind of felt defeated because I felt like whether it was with my hormones or something else something was off and it was nice to find finally the right person to sit down and listen to me and not only have like your support and helping me with my emotions and asking the right questions but like some of my friends and then my spouse was also a big support in all of it and he told me to take my time and do it when I'm ready mm-hmm.
0: yeah which is a big difference than when we when we met um I just I remember <laughs> yes the just i mean just being you were so down and so like you said defeated okay i hope you're enjoying the show if infertility is consuming your brain then listen up i coach women on the soul-sucking journey of infertility i hold your hand to get you out of the pit because we tend to forget Everything else in our lives, but the sperm count, the ovulation time, the blood levels, et cetera, et cetera. I'm here to work through the stress, the nutrition, the hormone weight, it all. I don't get you pregnant. I won't get you pregnant. I'm not going to promise you that. Your doctors do all that. What I do is pick up the mental, emotional, and physical pieces that tend to be pushed aside. If you are interested in a free discovery call, 100% free, no strings attached, head over to my website. There's a link in the bio and clicked connect with me. Okay. How has coaching, like what, what did we do together? What did we work on together that um, maybe you're still doing now or help support you through your journey?
1: Uh, We focused a lot on, I know, um, like eating habits were a big thing with me. It's not like I didn't eat unhealthy. I just didn't eat on a daily basis. Um and those habits now are in with my day-to-day life. I try to do like the 80% that we talked about. And that's helped me a lot. I think even now throughout my pregnancy, I don't eat as much as I should, but I eat what fulfills me, mm-hmm.
0: right? Which is like such a huge different and such a big transition that I think what society has taught us,
1: yeah, and like tells like, us what to do. It's like I look at what I eat when I wasn't pregnant, pregnant, and it's like the same thing, and I kind of like worry about it, but then I'm like, no, Andrea said eat what fulfills me and when like, don't overeat. So I feel like I'm doing okay with it.
0: And I remember a big thing behind that too, was your energy levels, right? You were having some pretty low energy levels and we talked about, yeah, eating to that fulfillment eating to that 80% will help keep our energy levels where they need to be, right? Enough nutrients to get food, and information into our body to survive but not so much where yep. we have to take all that energy to try to digest things instead of doing what we want so that's amazing yep. um and spoiler alert uh spoiler alert chelsea's pregnant <laughs> so chelsea's <laughs> 16 weeks pregnant and uh it was one of the best most amazing fun messages i think i've ever had was hey checking in I'm pregnant. <laughs> and it, I love that because so you did go to the doctor and you did all the blood work. And so tell us a little bit more about that story.
1: Yeah. So my first appointment, um, it was kind of nice because it was actually a physician that you recommended. And the first time I met um Dr. Melissa at Stellar, it was I was so relaxed when I met her I didn't feel like I was on edge and I just told her basically anything and everything that we were doing like I pulled out my calendar of us tracking my period and our sex life and everything else and she said, it okay, well this is, <laughs> yep and she said this is what we're gonna do I had um labs so they took I don't know how many tubes of blood and then she set up an ultrasound to look at my ovaries just make sure that I do have a follicle growing and if not like what our next step was but it turned out that I had low progesterone so she prescribed me Provera and within that first um prescription cycle of it um my eggs woke up a little bit and it took. And I am very grateful for that.
0: I just can't, I like to hear that story over and over again. I just have goosebumps you telling it too. And um, one thing I know that you've struggled with is that like, I feel so bad that it was so easy that all I needed was progesterone to get pregnant. Is that still where you're at? Tell I, uh... me a little bit more about that.
1: It is. And I think it's because I'm the person and the personality that my life and I can have bad moments, but there's people that struggle worse than me. Mm-hmm. And I just, I hate, not hate, I just, I'm very sensitive on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just, I've seen people struggle in my own life, friends, family, people that I know that have struggled worse than me. It just It hurts because I, I know what I felt seeing those pregnancy announcements.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the thing when we, as women who experience infertility, because that's um, becomes an identity of ours, right? That becomes like who we are, what we live, what we dream about. And then when we're on this other side, all of a sudden, um, that trauma, that we experience doesn't just go away. And you've heard me beat that drum on a mountaintop. Yep. Is that the trauma of infertility doesn't still go away? So are you still experiencing, like even though you have that success, you have a, a baby whose heart is beating in your belly right now, even though you have all that? What does it feel like?
1: It even though we've had that first ultrasound and we've heard the baby's heartbeat twice, like. It still doesn't really feel like it's happening. Like this past weekend, we were at my um, husband's dad and stepmom's place. And she's like, you're starting to get a little belly. And I said, yeah, a little bit, but it's, it still doesn't feel real. Yeah. And And I don't know when it will. Yeah. And that's
0: something that I had shared with Chelsea just a little bit earlier is that I remember I was, I had my babies early cause I am terrible at being pregnant. Um, so at 37 weeks, I was walking down the hallway to go deliver. We had a C-section. I was walking down the hallway to the OR and I was like, I was thinking, okay, this can work out for us. And so like the pregnancy got a little bit mo- more normal to me, like I'm pregnant. There's a fate like that. I identified a little bit more, but the realness didn't sit in until I was literally walking to go deliver her. So I think it's a real thing, especially women who are experiencing infertility. I think we keep our guards up just a little bit to build up those walls that this is too good to be true, and just kind of waiting for something to happen, you know, and go back to that that feeling of trauma and that feeling of um. At hopelessness, if you will, a little bit, uh, because we're just so used to living in that. So, okay. Is there anything that you would love to tell someone right now who's listening to this who maybe is like in that first year of trying to conceive, you know, and they're like too afraid to go to the doctor or they don't really know what to do next and their friends are all announcing their pregnancies?
1: find those outlets. Um, other than my husband, I had two really good friends that I talked to one that had those fertility issues. Like she went through three years of trying for almost four years of trying to conceive. Um, and then my other friend that was able to conceive naturally and easily and just the support from those two different aspects really was nice to have because I could talk to him about the struggles and planning planning the intercourse to have everything and how it was almost emotional straining even on our relationship because it wasn't fun to be <laughs> in the bedroom anymore sometimes. because. It was more like homework than it was a relationship.
0: Absolutely. And I um, have been talking with another client of mine too, who I think is going to come on the podcast and talk about scheduled sex and the, her experience and her relationship with that, because it, the romance dies it, and it's really hard to get back.
1: It was a couple of months that I finally looked at him and I said, I can't do this. This isn't fun." And He looks at me and he goes, it's not fun for me either. So we almost kind of stopped for like two months because it would just put such a strain on that part in that relationship. Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: Absolutely. And like Sex is supposed to be fun and pleasurable and all these things, in addition to making a baby. And I remember just thinking, like, I just want to have fun making a baby. And this is really expensive and zero fun. It's very invasive, (laughs) actually. (laughs) Yes. Okay. What's something that you learned through your time in those infertility trenches?
1: Um. That there wasn't anything wrong with me. I felt so broken and felt that I was a big issue in the relationship. But there is nothing wrong with me. I am still me. I just needed more assistance in my hormonal (laughs) levels to get pregnant.
0: Mm. So beautiful, Chelsea.
1: Thank you for sharing. Yes.
0: Oh, thank good. you for
1: having me. Thank you for you. <laughs> You're the reason I'm here, and where I'm at in life.
0: I know. I just that I still pinch myself too because, like, you did all the work. You did all of this, but it's nice when somebody can be that accountability partner for you, especially like, like you said, I remember like the energy levels and I remember working through some of the food stuff with you. But what I remember most of all, is you were like, I just don't want to feel alone anymore. I want to go hang out with my friends. And like that anxiety was just so high, I think because of stress, fertility, like it, right. Everything. And, um, it, look at you yeah. on a freaking podcast. <laughs>
1: right which I haven't even told her that I'm on honestly (laughs) so she'll listen to it in the car and find out
0: I love that (laughs) any last thoughts any last anything
1: um cry it out when you see those or hear those pregnancy announcements I don't know how many times even if it was my my close friends crying but cry it out And be with your spouse when you do it. Have that support.
0: Yeah, that's something that I think has been the biggest misconception or misperception that I see so many women have is that they have to be strong and they have to be happy for their best friends. Would you say you crying it out made you any less less happy for your friends?
1: Oh, no, I'm absolutely happy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like, I don't know, I just feel like people think they need to be so strong and it doesn't mean you're jealous. It doesn't mean anything. I just feel like what it does is it gives you the permission to grieve what you don't have.
1: Yeah. I, it's like happy, sad tears. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: And I'll say this over and over again, like a woman experiencing infertility has a really, really hard time with that pregnancy announcement but then they're like super protective of that baby as well. Like, I don't know if I necessarily want to talk to you about like every detail of your pregnancy. You just have to tell me that the baby's okay. And I want nothing to happen to it. You know, like it's just that extra, like yeah, be super protective out over that pregnancy, but I can't talk about that pregnancy yet at, at the same time. It's weird. Yeah. At Cause we're going me.
1: 16, 16 weeks and only our close friends and family, know, like we haven't even posted on social media because to me, the people that I want to know, no, right, yeah,
0: I I feel you on that, and that was the same with us too. That was the same with us, and then it actually ended up being like kind of a oh a, a whoops post because my daughter was wearing a shirt that said big sister, and we were like twenty five weeks, and they're like oh congratulations, I'm like oh yeah, I suppose because when we experience that trauma, we are just, I think we're just so much more diligent about those around us. Thank you for listening in today. I hope it inspired you or maybe you awkwardly snorted out loud. Either way, totally cool. Now listen. Those of us who really need to hear something like today's episode might need a gentle nudge to tune in. Please, if you know anyone that would benefit from today's episode, please text it to her right now. And remember, you are not a mess. You are brave for trying. Can't wait to talk soon.